Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heads Up, the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation. I'm Dr. Lindsay Weitzel, migraine strategist, founder of the Facebook group Migraine Nation, and chronic daily migraine survivor. I am excited to be here today with Dr. Don Buse. Dr. Buse is a psychologist and researcher specializing in living well with migraine and other chronic conditions. She's a very popular guest here on Heads Up. How are you doing today, Dr. Buse? Hi, Dr. Weitzel, and hello to all of the uh, listeners and viewers out there. (laughs) All right, so we have an awesome topic today. This is truly one of my favorite topics, and um, we have been wanting to do this for a long time. Today, Dawn and I are going to be discussing uh, how to cope with people in our lives who may not understand our migraine or other headache disorder. These people may be family members. They may be our friends. They could be our love interest, colleagues, principals, teachers, uh, our boss. There could be many people like this in our lives, and I think that pretty much all of us have them in our lives. And so we're going to discuss how to cope with them, the attitudes we should have about ourselves with our headache disorders, um, et cetera, that help us deal with these types of people in our world. So I'm just going to start by saying, um, Dawn, when I work with people who have migraine and chronic migraine, I feel like oftentimes so much of their energy is being put toward worrying or being concerned with what certain people think of them uh, because of their illness, or they feel sad because they may have experienced some sort of rejection due to their migraine disorder or headache disorder, or they may even be experiencing, they may be being bullied a little bit, to be honest. I have, I would even use that word on occasion. I have seen that happen. And I really feel like the energy that goes toward them being concerned or dealing with this in their world um, really should be going toward their healing. And so I often, I spend a lot of time talking about this with them and redirecting this energy toward improving their life as a person with migraine. And so I'd like to know what your experience is in your practice with this. Lindsay, I hear the same thing day after day. Now, as you know, I have two roles or more mm-hmm. that I love. One is a researcher right. where I get to gather data from thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people living with migraine. The other is a psychologist where I speak Mm one-on-one and I hear the same thing, whether we ask 10,000 people or one person, we hear the same thing. So migraine is very stigmatized. We know that from U.S. data. We know that from European data. Mm -hmm. If you're ever interested, the European studies like the Eurolight study talk about how people feel stigmatized from 11 different countries in Europe. Mm-hmm. Their spouses don't understand, their coworkers don't understand, they try and minimize it. We hear the same thing from the cameo study from thousands of people. Again, people live with guilt, shame, yes. embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Now, our listeners know, or if they don't, we're going to make sure they know yes. this is a biologic disease with a genetic predisposition that works on neurotransmitters in your brain. Mm-hmm. This is not something of personal weakness. It's not a personality flaw and it's not a way to get out of doing things we don't want to do. Right. We all know that we all agree, but you know, before I started working in migraine, so more than 20 years ago, I actually probably couldn't tell you what it actually was. Mm -hmm. I think in popular culture, we often use the term migraine as a bad headache 
or even just something annoying. If we think Mm -hmm. about movies or if we think about news headlines, migraine is very much misused. So let's start by giving people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe friends and family coworkers don't actually know what migraine is. Right. If they've never had it, don't have a family member with it, may may not know of the symptoms beyond headache. They may not know of the severity of the head pain or all the disability, the sensory to light, sound, nausea, potentially vomiting, vomiting. the mm-hmm. fuzzy headed cognitive difficulties that come with migraine. So the right place to start when possible is education. Mm-hmm. And It's probably different if you're talking to uh, a parent, talking to a toddler, if you're someone talking to a spouse or even someone you're dating or interested in versus a coworker or a boss or your HR department, Mm -hmm. you'll probably use different language and different descriptions, but start with me, I, the I statements. Mm -hmm. When I have a migraine attack, it can last for multiple days. It's severe head pain. Plus, I feel that light hurts so bad, I have to put on sunglasses and my head hurts when I sit up from the bed and it's hard to move around and it's hard to think. Start by describing those things to people so that they can start to get on the same page. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have family members, friends who you even want to bring to one of your doctor's appointments or to learn by, for example, watching this podcast or looking at other webinars or educational resources to learn. People close to you want and need to know more. And so that's a good place to start is by educating. So we're all on the same page and communicating. And I know a little bit down the road in our conversation, we're going to talk about very much more specifics about what we do if we're talking with HR or a boss. Mm-hmm. versus strategies for coworkers versus strategies for family members, be it your own parents, your spouse, your kids. We'll get into some specifics, but starting with education can't go wrong. Right. So I'm going to, when I talk to people I work with, I do various things, but one of my theories, as you know, and we are going to start by talking more about friends and family uh, or people we don't work with. And then we're going to move into some specific work, boss, colleague type strategies today. Um, So when I talk to people, one of the things I do is to try and get across that there is a resilience in them. That they, that they may have forgotten and that they need to access because I truly believe that all of us with migraine are so strong based on the fact that we are getting through life having migraine. And if you just think about it, you may it may have taken more strength just to get out of bed this morning than the average person has to have to get through their day. And so I try to get people to notice that. Remember how strong and resilient they are. And and to access that resilience when they're talking to people who they made me feel like are attacking them a little bit, like they don't believe in their disorder. And I like to think about, I, I started my career in breast cancer. And I like to think about the difference between breast cancer and migraine. And just think for a minute, uh, breast cancer patients are seen as warriors. And people with migraine or chronic pain are often seen as weak or anxious, right? Um, there's a marker for breast cancer. There's no identifiable marker for, uh, for migraine. We can't show you that there's something in our blood that says, oh, we have this bad of a migraine today, right? Um, the world knows breast cancer is serious, and a lot of people just don't understand or even care 
about migraine and loved ones gather around and support people with breast cancer and our loved ones might shun us, right? If we have migraine. And so what I try to get people to understand is to embody this breast cancer mentality. And I do believe that once you get used to doing stuff like that, seeing yourself this way, seeing yourself stronger for the disease you have, um, I do believe people do treat you a little differently. And so this is something that I try to get people to, to take on. And, and you will see that people start to respond to you differently. Don't start to cower and feel down if you feel like someone isn't understanding you or your disease. Stand strong and, and see yourself that way. And I, I think that that is, is really important. That's a great point. And even when you're talking just now, you have this body language of kind of feeling like you're apologizing and you're sorry and you're feeling guilty as opposed to I am this warrior who is resilient, who has been knocked down and keeps getting back up and a very different way of thinking about it. I completely agree that someone living with a chronic painful condition is a warrior who keeps getting knocked down and gets back up. And you absolutely have every right to feel proud of that, to feel proud in yourself mm-hmm. and to model that in your relationships, you know, to let your, your coworkers and your spouse and your kids and your family members know that, yes, you overcome painful challenges and disability and hurdles to do what you do and to get it done. Um, and that changing not only the way they see you, but the way you see yourself is the right yes. place to start. It is. Yes. And I also, the term I like to use, and I know you've heard me use it a lot, is water off a duck's back. If if someone is not understanding you, your illness, your brain fog, whatever it is that is manifesting itself, it truly becomes, once you really start to see yourself as this strong person for stronger for the disease you have, et cetera. It's really focus on the strengths and the things you have accomplished and just see how amazing you are for getting through with the disease you have. Um, these things become like water off a duck's back. They don't even bother you. Um, after 45 years of dealing with this illness, I, I truly feel like anybody could walk up and say anything and I would just be like, uh-huh. Um, You know, and I really think that's the goal of where we need to get. And we are going to get to, I do understand, I'm not poo-pooing the fact that, okay, you may not be able to accomplish everything you wanted to accomplish in your job. And that may affect you in a way, um, a certain way that makes that hard. And we're going to get to talking about some skills um, to help you with that. So Um, But I do want people to have that vision, water off a duck's back, because let's be honest, if it does get to a certain point and you've given people your elevator speech and you've offered the the necessary education pieces and they are still bothering you or not leaving you alone, maybe they're adding more stress than help to your life. And we don't always need those people in our immediate area or our immediate world. And I think we need to have an open mind that we, we don't always have to keep those people around, at least not as close as they always were. Um, Absolutely. I think that is one of the keys to living well with migraine or other chronic illnesses. Surround yourself with people who support you, who lift you up, who understand, and it may be finding people in communities of advocates where other people are living with the same chronic disease, or it may just be finding friends who are flexible and more understanding right. and able to take when you need to change your schedule last minute, 
and that person can handle it. And you no, know, we can't choose our family members, but we right. can choose friends to a great extent. And maybe there are people who, not to let friendships go, but maybe we put them on the shelf for a bit and focus right. more on those friendships, which bring us more than they take. Exactly. And um, I don't, do you think this is a good time to talk about the elevator speech? I sort of mentioned it. Yeah. One of yeah. the ways that I love um, talking to new people or, you know, honestly, it's not always new people. Sometimes uh, when I started working in the area of migraine, I used to be a lot more quiet about migraine. And then friends I've had for years were suddenly like, I had to give them the elevator speech. I had to educate them because I didn't talk to them that much about my migraine. And now I'm talking about it all the time. So um, you, I think it's best to have a couple versions of an elevator speech prepared, meaning um, just a quick, um, this is what I have, this is what it's like, et cetera. And so mine is, is often something like, I had chronic daily migraine from the time I was four until I was 30. It is much better now, but I still experience quite a bit of migraine. And then if they want to know why, um, and that can sometimes feel very accusatory. Sometimes people make it sound like, well, why can't you get rid of it? And I'll say, you know, there's over 40 genes that we know contribute to migraine. And um, it's in my DNA. There's many things I do to minimize it, many things I do to make it better, but it's in my DNA. And so I get that I get it quite often. Um, so you might want to have various versions of that for the various types of people you will run into. I think that's so smart. And I would suggest practicing it when you're on your own, mm -hmm. you know, take a plant and put it in the chair next to you and look at that plant and imagine it's your, your aunt or your a coworker, right. someone you just met and actually practice that. So when you're in a situation which might feel a little more flustering and uncomfortable, it comes out smoothly. Right. Um, I love what you said. A couple other fun facts that you might want to let people know. Migraine has been around since the dawn of human recorded history mm -hmm. in Egyptian hieroglyphs. Right. It's been around as long as we know of, so we don't see it going away soon. Um, that 1 billion people on the planet with a B live with migraine. So right. it's not uncommon. There are famous people who live with migraine. There are athletes. There are other there are movie stars, other people who live with migraine. And I would let them know just a bit of these hallmark symptoms, which they may not realize. I might want to say and a migraine attack can last several days from mm -hmm. start to end. It's not just the pain. Right. And some of the other things that are hard for me are, and you can say for you, I'm really extremely sensitive to light, extremely sensitive to sounds or smells. I feel nauseous. It's hard to think clearly. Throw in some of those symptoms because I think we can all do our part towards starting to educate the world who doesn't know what migraine actually is, mm -hmm. what a migraine attack feels like and what it does in terms of your ability and disability. Right. And so I agree. A short talk that you are very comfortable giving that explains without apologizing that this is a human condition mm -hmm. and that it is disabling. Right. And I think that's so important. We don't need to apologize for, 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 for feeling sick. We don't need to, if this is not an apologetic thing, I think that's something we need to get rid of in our personalities um, when we're talking about our migraine or our headache disorder. And I think that the other thing that's important is, yes, it's good to educate, but it is not our job to educate the world about our illness if they don't get it. 
I just, that elevator speech, I let it land where it lands. And I don't waste any of my emotional energy worrying about whether or not it worked, what they think of me, um, if they fully understood. If they ask more questions, yes, I'll answer. I'll answer. But I'm not wasting my energy that should go to my healing and go to me living my best life with migraine, wondering if it worked, if they got it, and if they like me. That would all be going in the wrong direction. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, Good I, point. I think that's an Good important point. thing. Now, while we're talking about family members, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a couple pearls that I'd like to share, some tips just yes. to think about. With family members, it's going to be different depending on if you are married or have a domestic partner living with you. If you right. don't, maybe you're single. Maybe you are dating, maybe you are divorced or widowed or separated and there's not a significant other in your life. So of course, everyone's kind of in a different relationship um, constellation from each other. In general, for the people in your life, some things that can be really helpful are not only the education, but having a plan B with them, whatever that may be. And a lot of times I think, especially where you've got perhaps children at home, and maybe you and a partner or a spouse have to kind of think about parent management of these kids, Mm -hmm. having a plan B in advance on days when I can't X, Y, or Z with the kids, um, we need you to help. Or if that partner is going to be at work, have a trusted neighbor, a parent, a grandparent, a friend, someone else already ready to go, who already knows your story, who already got their phone number, the kids already know them, you know, have backup plans for whatever it is you're going to do. Now, a lot of people listening already do this. This is not news to you, but this is something to keep in mind. Help take the pressure off of the other people in your lives so that you're not feeling guilty that you're overburdening them Mm -hmm. um, and that they're not feeling frustrated or resentful that they're getting overburdened. Right. And also think about when you're not in migraine attack or you, if you do have daily migraine, if you're at a lower pain time, think about also giving that person a little extra time and attention when you feel up to it. So making sure that they get some time for them as well, where you're focused on them. Because what can happen in a relationship where one person has any kind of disability, disease, or illness is we get to an imbalance where it's kind of a caregiver, care receiver. That's not what you want for a romantic relationship, for a marriage, for a partnership. We want to feel like it goes both ways. So it is good to think about when possible, if possible, giving them some extra time and attention, whatever that might be. I love that. Yes. Take care of your caregivers. (laughs) Oh, that's well said. Yeah, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. I love that. I love that. Take care of your caregivers. Mm -hmm. And then with kids, you know, think about the education, whatever level they are, even if they're Mm -hmm. little, little guys and girls, um, you know, mommy or daddy's head hurts. And then let them know how they can help. Everyone who cares about you might feel scared seeing you in pain yes. and wants to help no matter what their relationship, if they're your parent or your child or your partner or your neighbor, they want to help. So give people a way to help. So to your little toddler, you can say, and it makes my head feel better if you're quiet mm-hmm. and I have a cold washcloth. So can you get mommy a cold washcloth and play quietly or read me a story quietly? Now they have something to do. They know what to expect. They know what's coming. They know how they can help and they feel better. So 
Our migraine warriors listening are often incredibly self-sufficient and don't want to burden anyone and have gotten used to never asking for help. But I'm going to switch this up and say, if you accept help from someone else, you're giving them the gift of giving them something to help them feel empowered. Yes. So if people ask, offer help, please accept it. If they offer to anything, pick up your kids, bring something from the grocery store, bring you a meal, whatever it is, say, okay, yes, thank you. And now you're getting some help. They're also feeling like they are a partnership with you. They're interacting with you. They're helping and contributing. And it keeps your relationship stronger, even though you are going through this painful, chronic, potentially um, unpredictable illness. And the little ones, because they do get nervous when you don't feel good. So my little ones, as soon as they could operate a microwave, they they started to make popcorn because salt makes mommy feel better. Um, so they would make me popcorn or put on a movie Aww. that would distract me. So it's, it is interesting that I do think the little ones... Um, they feel better if there is something they can do to help. So I, I love that that you said that. Um, so um, this some of these things that moves into the work related issues that we were going to talk about. You think we're ready to talk about that now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the reason I think this is a I call it a Lindsayism. I completely made this up, but I really think it's true that I think that it's so important to discuss this is. Um, I think that a lot of times when people express negativity towards you, it's usually because of some insecurity within them. And it has nothing to do with you, even if you're the one with migraine and you're the one that they've decided to maybe express this issue toward. But I'll tell you what, it probably hurts you more if you are feeling insecure. And so I do think that at work is where I've noticed people with migraine might be feeling most insecure because they're, they might have fallen a little behind because they were absent because of migraine or they had brain fog because of migraine. So I think it's important to discuss work because I do yeah. think it's the place where they are, we're made to feel, it's where we're feeling a little bit the weakest sometimes. And we yeah. want to make sure that that's not how we feel. We want to feel right. resilient. We want to feel strong in who we are as someone who has migraine. And we want to use the skills, all the skills at our disposal um, to yeah. remain strong in our work and career environments. Um, so those are great points. And right. before we dive in, just like I talked about everyone listening is going to have a different relationship Mm -hmm. constellation and family constellation. Listeners are going to also have different academic or occupational situations. People may be still working currently in the career that they chose and want to be in. They maybe have gone down to part-time because Mm -hmm. of their migraine or other reason. They may have not taken a job role or promotion or gone for something they wanted because of their migraine. They may be on occupational disability and may no longer be working due to migraine. And all the same is true for school too. They may be in school. They may be taking a leave of absence or felt that they had to drop or couldn't go on to a educational program they wanted because of migraine. So we're going to have a whole range Mm -hmm. of listeners of where you are in your personal experience with, with work and how that relates to living with migraine. Right. So uh, one of the things I think that you were going to talk about, um, you know, sort of the accommodations, like don't be afraid a to ask for accommodations 
heaven's sake, if, if you can do it, ask for it, right? Oh, for sure. So let's start off. This is a medical disability. You have legal rights and protections. Not only do you have legal rights and protections, but um, institutions, be they a workplace, be they schools, be they universities, often already have set up all sorts of accommodations and protections for people with medical disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, there are legal requirements under the law that they do so from the 1972 Americans with Disabilities Act. So mm-hmm. don't be worried or ashamed about this. These are your legal rights. Right. Um, how you go about it is going to differ from workplace to workplace. Right. It may be you start with your boss or supervisor, or maybe you start with the HR department. In some cases, you might want to have a medical letter from a doctor with a diagnosis, Mm -hmm. um, and you just take that letter to the appropriate person, the HR department, the Office of Disabilities, or a boss or supervisor, and they will kind of get you started on what the accommodations are. And the accommodations are going to really vary from job to job, but they may have to do with things like making sure you get your breaks, making sure you can keep water close by to stay hydrated. Um, might have to do with changing lighting overhead. If you've got harsh Mm -hmm. fluorescent light that's uncomfortable or going to a place that doesn't have direct light or being able to wear a baseball hat or sunglasses, all of those things can be approved, um, one, legally due to your uh, disability status, Mm -hmm. and two, um, if you've got a medical letter of necessity, you can usually get all those kinds of accommodations. And and more, the accommodations kind of go based on your personal need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, in our research, both the U.S. studies of the Cameo and the European studies of the Giralite, people talked about feeling that their coworkers felt like they maybe couldn't count on them, like they let their coworkers down. Sometimes their coworkers had to pick up a bigger share of responsibilities because they might need to be out entirely or miss part of the day. This kind of parallels what we were talking about with family members. Yes. And this is important. how do you maintain good coworker relationships and have your coworkers see you as a vital part of the team? Right. And knowing that there may be at a moment's notice a day when you need to leave, when you need to be out, or times when you're there but not functioning at your best due right. to feeling kind of brain fog, feeling anything else, the, the sensitivity to light, mm-hmm. um, the pain certainly. Um, I think some of the strategies we talked about with family really come across here too, like having a plan B, Mm -hmm. like days that are not high pain or high disability days, seeing how else you can help that coworker. So maybe if they've picked up the slack for you or pitched in when you needed help, can you now do something for them or something for the project, something for the team? And I think it all comes down to being open in your communication, trying not to let what might be little resentments or little misunderstandings fester, just bring it out into the open. Mm. Say, I'm Sorry, I I had to leave last Tuesday at the last moment when I knew we had a presentation due the next day. Mm -hmm. Thank you for finishing that presentation. How can I help today? Right. Something like that. Just bring it right out in the open. And I will say that um, one of the jobs that I had in research um, years ago, I 
there was a lot of work I could take home with me. So if I knew I fell behind on Thursday and Friday, I would get ahead on Saturday and Sunday. Um, so those kind of jobs are wonderful if you can find them and find ways to do that. Um, I don't know that anyone else did that, but because I knew my body and my illness, I always knew, okay, I just fell behind. Plus next week, I'll probably have one or two days where I'm just unable to do a lot of things. And so I used my weekends and certain evenings to get ahead or catch up. Um, those are wonderful jobs that, um, and if you're finding that you are in a job where it's just impossible, I always tell people, open mind, open mind, start thinking, is there something you can do with your skill set where there is a job right. like that? Uh, you'd be surprised. I never thought I would be where I am today, where I have a job where I set my own hours. Never did I think that. I thought I would always be in a job where I had to be there very early, um, which was actually really hard with my particular, when the timing of my worst migraine is, et cetera, some of the things I have to do in the morning to keep my pain down. And I found a way. Um, and so you really got to keep your mind open with what you can do with your skill set. Um, because you'd be amazed what comes across with a little bit of positivity and, and a thought process. So that's a great point, Lindsay. Right. How does someone decide if and when it's time to make a move? And that move may be something small within their team, within mm -hmm. their department. It may be bigger within companies, or it may be entire career changes. How, right. how do you help people think through that? I, um, there's always a little bit of magic behind what I say because it, it to me I in in my mind what it was was I couldn't even fathom with my skill set and the education I had and what I was trying to do working outside even the institution I was in like so I was I was like, how is that ever gonna happen I don't know how I can keep doing this but I there's nowhere else I could ever work. And it just slowly things started to come into play as I stayed positive and kept my, my mind open where I was slowly doing things that it was like, oh, wait, maybe I can make a living and do what I love and be doing it outside of these four walls. Um, and, and it slowly started to work. And that's why I keep saying, keep your mind open. Don't assume this is the only thing you can do and that it's always just going to make you feel sicker and sicker. Um, I really think an open mind when you are someone with a chronic Ill illness is one of the most important things, open mind, positive thoughts, um, and, and a good imagination. <laughs> so really thinking beyond boundaries you might've exactly. thought before, getting creative exactly. with your life and thinking about options you maybe never even thought of before. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I did the silliest thing. I, I, I mean, just use myself as an example, because it's what I was a scientist. I was a very strict scientist. My only, I was going to make this amount of money working in this building my whole life in academia. And one day I wrote a comic book for kids with migraine. And that is what started taking me off in this direction. It was the most random thing. And um, just Think, think of the things that you can do that um, might take your life in a different direction that might help you with your health and, and help you with your happiness because that's kind of how life works. It's just how life works. That's how I feel about it. So, um, so 
back to what are, what are, are have we missed any of these things that are going to help us with our with our colleagues in our work um, talking to our boss I think if we I think the most difficult situation is if the person we're feeling maybe bullied by or that doesn't understand us is our boss um, so that is very difficult um, but I think it's the same strategies that we need to use um, the get the get ahead when we can make up for it when we can make up for it with the colleagues when we can um, using our imagination to see what all the places are we can make ourselves stand out with our skill sets make ourselves stand out at work so that we know people know we're invaluable even if we have days where we just can't perform or can't can't meet some of the expectations that either ourselves or someone else is putting on us. That's how I try to talk to people about dealing with it when it, they feel like it's their boss that's giving a, them a hard time, other than the keep your, keep your mind open and your thoughts and your eyes open for something else that might be better for you. Do you have any other thoughts when it's the boss that's, that's kind of a hard person in your life? Well, a question people often ask is, when should I tell about my diagnosis and how much should I tell? Right. And in a lot of situations, um, I like what you said when you said, don't hide it, be open about it, be right. direct and straightforward. And it's a good idea to talk about what might happen, your diagnosis, what your general treatment is early on before anything significant happens before it impacts work before you miss a deadline or before you have mm -hmm. um, something that is, you know, affects your um, kind of standing within the company. Same thing. I always say to college students, you know, go turn in your letter to the office of disabilities during orientation week, not after you've missed the final. So Very get this in early, talk about accommodations and what your needs are early and talk about your plans of how to work around challenges, work around attacks um, early on so that all those plans are in place in advance. It's a lot easier to work proactively than to have had challenges and problems and being trying to fix them later, especially if the boss didn't know about your diagnosis. Mm -hmm. She or he may have no idea what's going on and right. not know how to help. Right. I think that's very important. I do think that we have finally been able to shift from a place where people with migraine were sort of felt like they had to keep it secret. And now we can talk about it. For example, the National Headache Foundation is soon, it's coming out with the Migraine at Work program. And we're going to have videos available that you can show to your boss, um, that you can look at yourself etc so that people understand migraine in your work environment and i think that that will be so important in this situation um, so people can look forward to that if you are in a situation where it's rough for you at work um, so i'd like to put that out there keep your eye, eyes open for that i think that'd be wonderful for everyone well and i think um dr merle diamond also shared some great tips via the National Headache Foundation website on students going to college with migraine, all yes. sorts of things to think about in terms of accommodations and succeeding uh, at the college level. So I think that's on the website as well. Yes, they have one on the NHF website. It's called uh, Migraine University, um, oh. where they reach out to, to people at school, too. So um, there are various, um, and the CHAMP website also has various things for people at school. 
Um, so definitely, if you're someone struggling, definitely reach out to to some of these, to some of the foundations, to the websites. There's resources for you, um, and feel free to comment on um, the webcast link uh, if you need anything. And and we will always either do another episode related to what you're asking about, or we can answer your questions. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this topic, Dr. Vius? Well, I think some of our most important suggestions have been communicate with whomever it is. Have that open communication. Don't come from a place of feeling guilty or no. feeling embarrassed. This or is ashamed. not Never ashamed. a choice that you've made. This is nothing you would choose mm-hmm. to live with, certainly. Just share this information. I like what you said. If you were a breast cancer warrior or survivor or any other kind of medical illness, um, you'd probably just share it and, and, and kind of think about the accommodation. So speak openly. Use those I words. Mm-hmm. I experienced this. I feel this to let people know what an attack might be like for you and let them know what migraine is. I think a large part of the world does not even know what migraine actually is or have any idea what an attack is like. So it's good to do that education. And then just thinking about plan B for when things go awry, having things in place as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then when you can surround yourself with people who are more flexible, more understanding, a little more gentle and who bring you as much as you put into the relationship and maybe some of those relationships that don't bring you good things right now we'll just put them on the shelf for a while exactly exactly well i hope everyone got something out of this episode and thank you so much for joining us this week for heads up and thank you dr abuse for being here and i hope everyone joins us again next week for the next episode of Heads Up, the weekly webcast and podcast of the National Headache Foundation.